Well, good morning, Greenwich, and welcome to the Tuesday, May 17th edition of the Basement Academy, a morning psalm we are familiar with, Psalm 137. It's hard. By the rivers of Babylon, we sat and wept when we remembered Zion. There on the poplars, we hung our harps. For there our captors asked us for songs. Our tormentors demanded songs of joy. They said, sing us one of the songs of Zion. How can we sing the songs of the Lord while in a foreign land? If I forget you, O Jerusalem, may my right hand forget its skill. May my tongue cling to the roof of my mouth if I do not remember you if I do not consider Jerusalem my highest joy. Remember, O Lord, what the Edomites did on the day Jerusalem fell. Tear it down, they cried. Tear it down to its foundations. O daughter of Babylon, doomed to destruction, happy is he who repays you for what you have done to us, he who seizes your infants and dashes them against the rocks. Hmm. Yeah, we've interacted with this one a time or two uh, over the many months that we've been praying psalms in the Basement Academy. It is that imprecatory psalm, Lord, kind of cursing those who cursed them. Pray your anger. Pray your frustration. Pray your disappointment. Don't act on it. And so by lifting our prayers to God, venting as it were, you know, we like to vent and so, Lord, hear our prayers for all that is wrong in this world that we wish uh, were put right and all the wrongs we have suffered that we wish others to pay for in some way. Lord, hear our prayers. Okay, Book of James. Um, let me read that opening passage again. I just kind of want to tease another thought or two out. Um, and I think it maybe ties in a little bit to the, uh, to the psalm we've just read. So, James a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes scattered among the nations. Greetings. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt, because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all he does. Okay, yesterday, thinking about perseverance, this quality, this virtue that is necessary, the reality of trials and, and challenges, there's, there's value, there's purpose. And so verse 4, perseverance must finish its work so that you may, may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Perseverance must finish teleon, that's the Greek word behind it, must finish its work 
So there's a purpose, there's a work, <laughs> there's something that perseverance is doing, right? Perseverance must finish its work, teleon, that's that Greek word we've studied before that means goal or outcome, must finish its work that you may be mature, teleoi. Ah, it's a, it's, it's a, it's the same word, essentially. <laughs> oh my goodness. So we've seen this before in our character study, character formation study, uh, back at the beginning of the year. We were looking at Matthew chapter 5. We've, we've looked at this also in the Sermon on the Mount. Be perfect, teleoi, as your Father in heaven is perfect, teleoi. This, this Greek word that speaks to um, goal, purpose, aim. And so uh, we, we've used this word before. So what is the chief end of man? That's one of the catechism questions uh, in our Presbyterian tradition. What is the chief end or purpose of man? Why are we here? Why do we exist? The chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And so this, this uh, call to completion, wholeness, maturity, perfection, okay, it's all, all tied together. Perseverance must finish its work. That is, there's a goal for perseverance. It's not just randomly happening. Adversity, trials have a very holy purpose to them. God intends this, okay? And so this is, again, foundational. We said this yesterday. There's kind of a foundational framework that James is offering us here that, that we forget. Because we get caught in the midst of the trial, the emotions of it, the disappointment, the frustration, the sadness, just the anguish. The, um, there's an emotional reality when things aren't going well for us. We forget all the time that we live east of Eden. We forget that the maladies of this world, the challenges that we face, they, they have a source, they have a root. The suffering uh, of the human family traces itself back to the garden. Adam, there, there's two trees in the middle. You can eat of any tree in the garden, but there's, there's this one that you can't eat of. And so you have the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Do not eat of that. For the day you eat of that, you will die. Surely you will die. And of course, the serpent comes and tempts around that. Surely you will not die. The absolute lie of the, uh, of the devil. And so Adam eats. We know the story. Adam and Eve eat. Their eyes are open. All of a sudden, shame fills their lives. They're aware that they're naked. They run and hide. They cover up. They're afraid of God. All the goodness of the garden, all the goodness of the human family, relation with God is shattered, is broken, is taken away. Their family begins to experience pain and trauma as Cain rises up against Abel. And then as you just trace the human family forward from the garden, we see what we experience, what we encounter. So we forget that we live east of Eden. And so God has designed adversity in this world. He's built it into the world that there would be a holy purpose, that God would bring us back to himself. He would confront us. With, with the challenges of this world, if we let them, consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you encounter trials of many kinds. 
for the testing of your faith. There's something that happens in the midst of the trial. And so adversity has a holy purpose. And then he goes on. Okay, so, so, so uh, let, me, let me catch this. So perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature. That's whole, complete, like God, God intends for us to be whole, Christ-like, right? Not lacking anything. So there's deficits in our lives, right? We're not full. We're not complete. We're not whole. We're not mature yet, okay? We don't always respond as we ought to. We don't love as we ought to. <laughs> and so there's a lack in our lives. But if anyone lacks wisdom, okay, and the wisdom is in the context of how to respond to the adversity, how to respond to the trial. Usually what happens, kind of the, the pattern is something unfolds that is adverse, that, that is not something we want. And typically we have an emotional reaction to it. There's frustration, there's disappointment, there's sadness, um, there's fear, uh, anxiety. So all of these kind of the negative set of emotions that we experience in the midst of these trials. And so what we often lack in our emotional distress, we lack the capacity to think clearly. We lack the capacity to respond well. Okay, what I ought to do in this situation is, you know, not run about, not blame others, not not fret, not become angry, not not explode, not not retreat. But but our emotions tend to get the better of us, right? Like a runaway horse. They just, you know, out of the barn, they're just charging around. And so if anyone lacks wisdom in the midst of that adversity, in the midst of that trial, ask God. And so Prayer becomes that grounding experience, that grounding activity in the midst of the overwhelm. Pray. Because, I mean, he doesn't say pray, but ask God. When you're asking God, you're praying, right? And so if anyone lacks wisdom, let them ask God. And so adversity confronts us. We experience the lack of wisdom, the emotional intensity and we lack what is needed in that moment. So ask God, 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 help me. God, show me. God, remind me of your word. Remind me of, of what James taught. <laughs> and so that slows down the process. Prayer kind of pushes the pause button on the emotional intensity. We, we take a moment before we run off in reactivity and we speak or we act or we do in a manner that is rash. Prayer slows the process down. We engage God, and that's this is now how our faith develops, how perseverance it becomes a test of faith. Perseverance um, is testing your faith. At that moment, will I, will I realize I don't have to control the situation? I don't have to fix this. I can ask God. And now faith gets expressed in that moment. God, help me. God, remind me of things I know that should be true, that are true, that, that I should live into. Um, point me to some good scriptures. Give me wise counsel. Who should I talk to, God, about this? Remind me of somebody or show me somebody or bring something into my life that'll give me perspective. Let me get some distance from this thing so I can kind of see it a little more clearly. And so as we pray, 
we slow things down, we widen out the, the lens, we kind of see, okay, there's a bigger picture here. Oh yeah, God, you use trials, you use difficulties to test, to develop, to mature, to grow. Okay, Lord, whatever you have for me in this situation, give me the strength to endure it, okay? So that very process of asking God slows everything down. The trial's still on, the difficulty's still present, adversity is still there, but you see it in a different light. Prayer becomes somewhat of our chief means to achieving the chief end. God's chief end is that we would glorify God. So, so let's lean on him in the midst of our trials and adversity and, and difficulty. We lean on God. We trust God. God, I don't know how you're going to bring about good because you've promised to work all things for the good of those who love you and are called according to your purpose. You've promised to bring about Christ-like character in my life. That is what I'm, I'm called to. I don't see how you're going to do that, Lord, but I trust you. So I'm going to try to walk through this patiently, faithfully, diligently, with this, as little anxiety uh, as I can. And then James puts in there kind of this challenge. But when you ask, you must believe, not doubt. And so doubt is one of those, re it's always present for all of us. This, and that's part of the test. Is it belief or doubt? Is it trust or doubt in, in this moment? That's the test. Adversity brings us to that point where we're either going to believe God, God, you're good, because remember, adversity calls into question the goodness and character of God, the voice of the accuser, the tempter. We're going to see that uh, in the next little section here. But the temptation comes to not trust God to question God's goodness. And so believe God is good. Believe his promises are firm. Believe his word is true. Believe the Lord Jesus Christ, whose death and resurrection and presence are with you through the spirit. Believe God. And so that belief versus doubt, that's the fork in the road that every trial brings to us. And sometimes we do fail the test. Sometimes we do doubt. Sometimes our emotions uh, get the better of us. But every time we doubt, there's, there's nothing grounded to that. Doubt is like waves that are tossed about, blown about, and that's what happens. In the midst of our trial, if we find ourselves still floating about, that would be an indicator that maybe we haven't even asked God. We haven't even prayed about it. And in our prayers, <laughs> we're, we're wrestling. And so one of the great prayers or statements in the New Testament, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. That is such a, a great, thanks be to God for that man who, who speaks for all of us, right? So in the midst of the trial, in the midst of the difficulty, whatever you may be facing today or may come your way soon, Lord, I believe. Lord, I trust your word. I know you're good, but I'm struggling. That is the prayer of faith. That's not doubt. The prayer of doubt, you know, the doubt is, God, I don't see any way this can be good. You, you, why have you abandoned me? Why have you forsaken me? Even that, though, would be good because you're engaging God. It's the refusal to pray 
that is is where we get hung up. I'm not even going to pray about this. I'm so mad at God. I get that. But tell God you're mad at him. That's Psalm 137. That's why Psalm 137 and others are in our uh, our prayer book, in our Psalter, in our Bibles. By the rivers of Babylon, we sat and wept. God, I just feel like those people in Psalm 137. I am so mad at that person that's done this to me. Ask God. God, give me wisdom. Help me know. So, so the prayer, the Psalms help us to pray our negative emotions, our deep distress, our anguish, our anxiety, our fear, uh, and the like. So I love these opening verses. They're so critical. They're so valuable. We need to have this opening section of James grounded and fixed in our minds because we see adversity all the time. It just keeps coming at us. East of Eden people confront trials and difficulties all the time. And so uh, the, the, the Psalms work alongside our adversity as James guides us into an abiding, deepening, growing, maturing faith so that we may become mature. That's the goal. That's the goal. When we realize that God's purpose for our lives is to be conformed to the likeness and image and character of his son, then if that's the chief end, everything else becomes means to that end. So that adversity kind of becomes a means to the end. Adversity becomes an opportunity for us to express our faith in prayer, believing, trusting prayer, wrestling prayer, so that the trial is for our good. And that's why we consider it joy. I don't know how this thing's going to play out, but I know God's going to be glorified in it, and I pray God's going to deepen my faith mightily through this. That perspective, that's the wisdom. (laughs) And if when we have that kind of mindset in the trial, the trial takes a different shape and form altogether. And our emotions begin to be tamed and harnessed and all that energy of our emotional intensity that, that usually hits us first in the trial, all those emotions get harnessed for good. The horse gets out of the barn, but the horse gets bridled. The horse then begins to lead us forward. And in the midst of the trial, we spend more time in the scripture. We ask Uh, people to pray for us and we engage in a holy fellowship and a communion with God and with others. So anyway, I've gone on long enough. You hear it. Let us believe it and trust it and live it. Amen. And so Father, hear our prayer for one another and for ourselves that in the midst of the trials, we would have a, a believing grounded faith that would reach out and call out and ask for that wisdom, that perspective. And Lord, thank you for James and how he guides us in the truth. And so continue to lead us to Christ's likeness from one degree of glory to another this day, we pray. Through Christ our Lord, who taught us to pray together, saying, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom 
and the power and the glory forever. Amen. May God bless you with believing prayers, trusting prayers, prayers that yield great wisdom and understanding on how to press on in life this day and forevermore. Amen.